did have a great time. Him falling in the river was absolutely hilarious. It was uh, unplanned. I wish we had had a video of it. Um, unfortunately, we don't. But, you know, if you want to sign up to chaperone, uh, maybe he'll do it again, you know, this, uh, this time around. So, um, amen. Uh, with that, uh, church, would you turn in your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4. That is where we are going to be this morning um, as I have prayed and uh, graciously been invited to come preach for you this morning. I'm, uh, I'm so thankful to be here. It has been a number of years since Becca and I have been at Webster. I see a lot of familiar faces that I'm super thankful for. And uh, I'm also encouraged because I see a lot of faces I do not know, uh, which is a great thing to have in a church. And um, you know, the biggest question for me um, that really I have to wrap my brain around every time I have preached somewhere other than the church I'm serving at is how in the world do you preach to a flock that is not yours? And uh, time and time again, the Lord reminds me consistently of this truth. Um, it's from his word. It's about him. And if I don't preach his word, it's no good anyway. But that is the thing that we can have in common this morning, whether you know me or not. If I am faithfully preaching the word and you are in a place to hear that and your heart is open to that, then praise God, uh, we're on the same page. Amen? And uh, for that, I'm thankful this morning. Um, so with that, this is something I like to do. If you don't do it here, it's not a big deal. It's okay. Um, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, begin in verse 2, and we're going to go to verse 9. And as you're there, I want to invite you to stand as you're able this morning, as I read God's word. Again, if nothing else, if we have reverence for God's word this morning, we've done well. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? So with that, let me read for us Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. And uh, we will get started here. And this is what it says. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, and if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated this morning. So this morning, um, 
I know that you're probably disappointed we didn't do Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know that when we think about Philippians 4, that's probably the verse that you and I have in mind. Um, But there is something super crucial here this morning. And and very simply, um, my goal this morning is to talk about a problem and then talk about a solution and then the goal as we see laid out in this chapter. We also know um, that Paul, previous to chapter 4, he is calling for unity. Uh, He is encouraging brothers and sisters in Christ to be of the same mind, to press on and press forward, as you see at the very end uh, of of, uh, chapter 3. In verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and continues to go on about that day that he will return, that day that he will bring us home. And then smack in the middle of this huge uh, encouragement and kind of command that's given, he points out two people in verse 2 of chapter 4. So I want you to say it with me. I'm going to say it, you repeat it. Euodia, Syntyche. Now notice... Notice what happens here. He says in verse 2, I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Right? Imagine that you are writing a letter to a church to encourage them to be unified, to continue pressing forth in the work of the gospel, and to have all these things in common, right? And then your name gets called out in a letter because you had a disagreement with someone. Yikes, right? So clearly what we first see here is we got a problem, okay? And here's the problem. We have two people that seem to have some kind of disagreement. Now, here's what we know about this. These two women are clearly believers as verse 2 and 3 both kind of clarify. Paul clarifies. He's going to go on in verse 3 to talk about the true companion. We'll talk about that. Um, But he says, uh, fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. He's addressing two Christians that have been walking with him. And we know Paul has been faithful. He's traveling around Uh, He's been obedient to the calling that Christ has given him to preach the gospel and share that good news with everyone. And he has helpers. Euodia and Syntyche are helpers. Now, I really don't want to glance over this, right? Because here's the reality. Two believers have a disagreement. What is the disagreement? We don't know. We don't know. Isn't that interesting? Could be like anything. But there's an urgency that Paul has. There's an urgency, and he's saying, be of the same mind. Because here's the reality, church. Do, uh, do we all get along? Do we all agree in all things? Do we have disagreements? I take your silence as a yes this morning. We do. And here's the big problem. There's two main things I really want to point out in this problem. 
Because we really like, and we'll get to it, we like verses 4 through 9. We like part of the solution. We want to rejoice. We want to pray. We want to not be anxious. But it's all centered around, truthfully, this issue. How, excuse me, how important is it then to have unity amongst one another, amongst brothers and sisters? Massively important. And here's why. Um, how we love others is a reflection of how we love God. Okay? That's the reality. When we look at the gospel, and when you've given your life over to Jesus, it is belief and it is faith and it is trust, but it's also this. It's a transformation. Okay? You and I... <laughs> When we came to Jesus, we became a new creation, right? I'm not who I used to be. Praise God. Somebody give me an amen up here. Whoo! I'm so thankful for that, but it's not my doing. It's, it's Christ. It's his. So how I love you is really a reflection of how I love Christ, Right? I am representing the gospel and the reality of the gospel to you in my words, in my actions, and you with one another, you're doing the same thing. Right? There truly is a way to be unified. I want to point something out super quick, <laughs> really quick. I know that the temptation here. In this text, as we go, well, let's just agree to disagree. Right? Guilty of that? I am. That's me. I've been there. I don't want conflict. I want, I want harmony. I want peace. And sometimes we settle for this phrase, right? I agree to disagree. It's going to be okay. But really, we, I can only think of a couple times in Scripture we actually see that. Think of Paul and Barnabas debating over John Mark and whether or not John Mark is supposed to go with them on the missionary journey, they have a sharp disagreement, right? Real sharp. And they go their separate ways. Now, the only reason why that's okay is because later, they obviously come back together and they agree. They agree in John Mark. They agree that he should be with them, that he is faithful, and he's continuing to do the work, Right? Paul and Barnabas, their love for one another is a representation of how they love Jesus, right? We may have different personalities, but we are brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a big old family, isn't it? And let me just say how thankful I am that after, I don't know, four or five years, I don't know how long it's been since I've been here, man, to see y'all worship, raising hands, praising Jesus, I, I can't tell you how encouraging that is for me. I hope it is for you. I haven't been here. I'm not here day in and day out, week in and week out. I, I, I don't know. You know, we love Webster because we consider Webster one of the healthiest churches within this entire area. I still believe that today. And I believe one of the reasons for that is because you're striving for what Paul's going to call us to anyway, right? 
I have no personal agenda. This is where I felt like the Lord wanted me this morning, and probably for me, because we all have disagreements, but we have unity on the, on the basis of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ this morning. Amen? In all things, we have that, right? And for those of you that are married, I'll, I'll point this out too. Because I have, I have counseled couples that thought this way. Um, when it comes to interaction between believers, when it comes to being of the same mind, and you're married, sometimes the married couple is Euodia and Syntyche in a sense, right? It's you two that are in disagreement. Any husbands want to amen that? I see some wives laughing and chuckling right now. Um, you know it's true. It's okay. <laughs> you can say amen. We know this is a thing, right? It's not based on your personality, Can I just say that again? It's not that you're incompatible with your spouse based on their personality. That's not what makes a marriage. God is the author of marriage, right? It's his covenant. It's his gift. It's his representation of the gospel. Who you are today is not who you were seven years ago, right? And who you were seven years ago is not who you were seven years before that, We all change. And the question is whether or not we are growing in Christ and being sanctified by him, or if we're kind of drifting and we're we're falling away a little bit, or we're not as passionate as we used to be. This is why sometimes if we think, well, we have to be compatible in a marriage, uh, that's what's going to make it work. No, uh, it's Christ, the anchor of our soul. That's who you and I need this morning, and that is what Paul is going to remind them in, right? Look at verse 2. I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. True companion, thank the Lord Jesus for people that represent the true companion. Amen. I mean, Paul is calling upon somebody faithful. Paul is calling upon somebody uh, that is obvious, uh, obviously seeing the issues, but ready and willing to go to those two women and say, hey, let's work this out. Y'all have a friend like that? Yeah? Someone that will help you mediate? You should praise God for them, right? Because that's part of the picture here. We need each other. And uh, sometimes we need someone to intercede for us. We have the Lord, we have the Holy Spirit, which is exactly why we can be unified in all things when we center the gospel where it needs to be, right? And I want to start and end with this question. Who are we in this scenario? Are we a Euodia and Syntyche? Or are we a true companion? Where do you find yourself this morning? Um, I can tell you this. uh, If you ask Caleb Mayfield of years past, uh, I've been the Euodia and Syntyche. I have been the grumbler. I have been the one in disagreement. I have been the one many, many, countless times who did not center the gospel in the midst of a dispute, did not center the gospel in the midst of a disagreement, 
but he's been that true companion. He's been someone that could look at me and say, hey, Matt, can I give you a hug? Does he still do that, by the way? Does he randomly say, can I give you a hug? That's a thing, right? Praise God for it. it it's, God's used it before. That may make you feel super awkward. It's okay, okay? Um, we can hug each other and love one another, and it's fine. Uh, God has used people like Caleb and Scott and many of you in my life, right, as a true companion, as an aid. And the question for all of us is, is that us? Are we the true companion? Are we the instrument that God is using to be a peacemaker, to reconcile those who have differences? Because at the end of the day, folks, what matters the most is not the dispute. It's the reality of this gospel. And that's what Paul reminds us in, the gospel, laborers in the gospel. And here's the second point to the problem. How we love one another reflects the love of Christ to a lost and dying world. I need this reminder all the time. Um, I represent the gospel. So do you. In your speech, your conduct, your love for one another, um, we are the ambassadors We are the representatives of this good news. So when the world looks at the church, what does it see today? Just think about that a moment. What does it see? I can step back and praise God that I believe this morning he does see a unified church here at Webster Baptist. And I hope and I pray that that will always be the case. So many churches that were running 80 people, 50 people, they're, they're not meeting. They're not meeting. They're closed. They have no impact on the community because they're not together. Some of those reasons being because they've disagreed over something, right? And you and I, we've disagreed over things, but it doesn't matter in light of the gospel, does it? Right? We've been through the ringer. We got COVID. We got Vaccines, no vaccines. We got political debates. I mean, like, you name it, we got it. We have social media to amplify that times 80. It's toxic. Because we've lost sight sometimes of where our focus should be. Right? The reality and the truth of why you and I are here today. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Right? The reality that you and I, because of the death of Jesus, being the Son of God, God made flesh who took the sins of the world. You and I are invited (laughs) to the the, the banquet, the dinner. We're invited for new life in him. We have been forgiven upon our confession and our trust and faith in Christ, who died the death we deserve and proved that he had full authority by the resurrection three days later. It wasn't just he died. And that was important. It's that he demonstrated full authority by rising from the grave. You and I should be here on that basis 
first and foremost, or this simply is just a social gathering or a meeting. We might as well be at the YMCA, right? We get our card, we get our membership, we get the perks, but that's not the church. The church is the light that shines in the darkness. Aren't you grateful for that? We're it. We got a sick and dying world out here. We're claiming to have the answer. It's the gospel, right? And that's exactly where Paul goes. That's where he starts. Now, I want to remind us, right? John 13, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this, everyone that you will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Man, when we think about that, the issues don't really matter anymore, do they? They kind of melt away. There's something far more important here. So we've got this huge problem, right? Huge buildup. It's an issue. It's an issue back then. It's an issue for today, right? We don't always agree. So what is the solution? This is where I believe Paul begins once more. He's, he's both addressing a thought that he left in, in chapter 3, but he's also pairing it with this issue with Yodi and Syntyche. And so imagine, you're just waiting. You're like, what's the answer, Paul? What do we do? Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You're like, wait, what? Uh, what? Rejoice? We, Paul, we got issues. We, we got problems. What, you want me to rejoice? Yes. Why? Because of the gospel. Right? Just as you rejoiced moments ago as we sung songs that glorify him. So you can rejoice the rest of your week in your workplaces, in your school, in your life, within your family. We keep rejoicing because that's the reality and the mentality that we get to have because of the gospel, right? That's the reality for us. We're not walking as we did once in the world in darkness and in our sin. We are getting to praise our risen Savior time and time again. So we see Rejoice, But then we see this, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. This word gentleness uh, it, it means forbearance or self-control or graciousness. Um, it, it's a word that indicates that there is a control among us, right? That we're rejoicing and we're known for our conduct, uh, y'all have been going through spiritual gifts, and they're, they're vital. They are so necessary to know that, uh, really, uh, when we take all that away, that the church should be operating and functioning together in different and various giftings, right? Now, that only means something, though, when you first pair that with character and conduct of the believer. Let me say this, and I, I won't harp on this too much, but character and conduct will always be more important than gifting. Always. Okay? Because character and conduct, again, represent the gospel. 
in everything that that person does, both to believers and to unbelievers. So when we have this phrase here, let your gentleness be known to all men, uh, it's indicating uh, there's a conduct and there's a character paired with the Christian life, right? And then it says this, the Lord is at hand. Oh, And this phrase, it means exactly what you may be thinking it means. Jesus is coming soon. We believe that this morning, right? He's coming soon. May not even be in your lifetime, but it doesn't mean that he's not coming soon. Still means he's coming soon. (laughs) So let me paint this picture for you. (laughs) And I'm going to use myself, okay? I won't use any of you. I I wouldn't know where to start with you guys. Um, His return... When he returns and takes us home, none of our disagreements or our preferences matter in that moment, do they? It doesn't matter. It it literally, like, it's completely meaningless in comparison to going home for all of eternity. To be with Jesus forever. What? That is what I'm putting stock in. I hope you are this morning. I got nothing here, right? I love, I love the many things that God has given me. I love the blessings and the favor. I love that he has, he's given us so much and we praise him for it. But man, there is nothing here that will compare to just being in the presence of Jesus Christ. There's nothing, nothing. So any disagreement I got, man, what does that matter? That doesn't matter. Why why am I worried about it? Exactly. Why are we worried about it? There are better things to come. There are things that we can look ahead to in light of Christ and we go, man, I get to be with him. I get to worship him forever. Yes, church. Yes, you do. So what does it matter? What does it matter if we disagree? Now we can come together. We can work those things out, right? In the Lord. But then your conduct and your gentleness should be known to everyone. So imagine for a moment, right? The other day I was fixing, um, I, w- I was replacing the, the doorknobs uh, at my house uh, for two reasons. Uh, one, because we were supposed to do that a long time ago when we bought the house, change the locks, you know, get a new key. Um, but secondly, the back door stopped opening. So I, it kind of forced my hand. I, I had to replace the doorknobs, Okay. And um, I got the back done, feeling awesome. I'm like, yes, we're going to knock this out. We're going to go and go on the parkway at the boys or something. It's going to be a great time, right? And so I get to the front door. And the last owner or somebody had stripped the screws. Y'all been there? I mean, like, it's like rounded. I'm using like a square bit at one point, basically chiseling it into the screw to try and get it. I can't get it. And I, I let's just say this. I was upset. <laughs> I was upset. Okay? You know what I'm saying. I was angry. I was mad. I was flat out mad. In your anger, do not sit. I was sinning. Okay? I was mad at the previous owner. I was mad at whoever did this. How could they think to do? Why would you strip the screw? I'm fuming. Imagine Jesus had knocked on the door right then. Matt, you need some help. Oh, Lord. 
I'm so sorry. <laughs> now, the reality is, Christ is always with us. We forget that so quickly. For those in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. He's with us. He's present. <laughs> so when you're fuming at a screw, <laughs> he's with you. He's always been with you. But imagine if he returned right in that moment. You think that's going to matter at that point? No. But you know what did matter at that point? Eventually, I just took a sawzall and I cut into the screw to make it a flathead screw. I thought that was pretty smart. And I didn't cut into the door. And I was so excited. I was like, yes, we did it. I got it undone, but I did a lot of damage along the way as my wife was trying to help me. Because I was fuming, I was mad. I wasn't thanking Jesus. I wasn't rejoicing. I wasn't remembering that those things do not matter in light of eternity and in light of the gospel. I was, I was fuming. I was mad. We can do a lot of damage along the way when we don't weigh these things out back with the Lord. Now, I've confessed that to her. I, I barely needed to confess, church. I mean, she was right there. She watched the whole thing. But that's not what I was known for in that moment. Not my gentleness, not my self-control. Because I wasn't letting the Lord get a hold of my heart. I wasn't putting it in the right perspective. This thing did not matter. And so being able to celebrate the fact that I got it out didn't matter anymore. Because of how I missed the mark in the first place. And I think sometimes when we're not careful, we do this more often than not. I do this all the time. You and I represent this good gospel it's the reality and so paul goes on after the conduct and the character this is part of our solution right and he says in verse six be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through christ jesus be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious. Everyone really good at that here? Show of hands. Do we get anxious? Of course we do. Our anxiety, our fear of the unknown, or creating a future reality that doesn't really exist, it's all wrapped up in kind of the same thing. Do we believe that Christ is in control, or are we convincing ourselves that we're the ones in control? It's kind of the basis here, right? Anxiety reveals something. It's who you're putting your trust in as far as who has control. Sometimes when you think it's you, you fearfully dread and you think over and over and over and over and over again. You paint every scenario. Uh, it's all negative. There's no solution. You can't quite think through it because by the time you come to a solution in one thought, you've got three other thoughts that entered the scene. This sound familiar to anybody? Is it just, just me? Thank you, Terry. appreciate that. Terry and I, the only ones that battle anxiety. It's fine. But it's a reality. I'm not in charge. I'm not in control. He is. Right? What am I doing about that? 
Well, according to Paul, the solution comes down to prayer in supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Right? If God is in control, am I calling out to Him? Is He the central focus of my heart? Whether times are good or times are bad, am I praising Him when it's good? Am I calling out to Him when it's bad? Um, Sometimes I'm not. Do we believe that prayer can change everything? Do we believe that? Answer should be yes. Maybe you feel like it's not. But he's still in charge. He's still in control. And maybe you've gone through something where you've not seen God answer the way you wanted. But I promise you, he's answering in some fashion or form. It may not be the way you wanted it to be, but it is based on his goodness and love for you. So please trust and understand that if it's not happening yet, he's still working it out. He's still working it out. And you and I can have thanksgiving in all these prayers and supplications because we trust that God is working it out. We're already thanking God for the answer that has already being answered or will be answered. That's the God we serve, church. That's the God we serve. That we can thank him before we even get the result. That's good. Now that's hard, but it's true. Or, or God's not in control. And I don't know about you, I don't, I don't see that in Scripture. I see a God who's in control. I see a God who loves his bride. I see a God who will meet the needs of his people even when those needs aren't what they thought it was. But I trust it. I trust it. In dark valleys, I trust it. It's the only light and beacon we have sometimes. Right, So when we're talking about Euodia and Syntyche and the true companion and the solution is, is to rejoice and the solution is to remember your character and conduct in Christ, right? your gentleness being made known, remembering that Christ will come, he will redeem all these things in this world and the evil and the torment and sin. He will rid all of it in one moment. That's all you and I need to get through it. Because our hope isn't here, right? It's in him, in his return. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Um, I am running out the clock quick here. Let me point out something and then point out one more thing. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I've always thought of the peace of God as something that you kind of, you feel, you experience. I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true. You guys have, you've understood that, right? You're praying, you're asking him for wisdom, you need discernment, you need direction. And before you know it, there is a peace that falls upon you. It's unexplainable. Right Now that, that's better phrased in verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. But look at this phrase that I just read in verse 7. 
will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The guard word is a, is a word called froreo. Say froreo. It's this image of a stronghold, a defense, a huge wall or tower that is fortified for battle. Not only does God give us peace when we ask and when we make those requests known to him, he knows them, we're just connecting in with the creator here. But he'll guard our hearts and minds in Jesus. I don't know about you, before I walk out the door, I need something to guard my heart. I need something to guard my mind. From the time you get into your vehicle, if you got the radio on or the news, God bless you, I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know how you're doing it. I don't listen to the news anymore. I can't. I want to be informed. I read some things here and there. But Lord, have mercy. When there's four murders in Charlotte and the economy is tanking and all this blah, 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 what does it do to you? Provokes anxiety. Provokes fear. Provokes insecurity. You're helpless. How are we going to pay this bill? Wow, what if I lose my job? What if will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We pray and need that protection before we even get out the door. Don't we? We need it. I need it. I need Christ guarding me. Protect me, Lord. Guard my heart. Let me see what you see. Let me be your ambassador today. Let me be your representative. Again, Am I the true companion or am I uh, Euodian Syntyche? The good news for you and I is this. You can be the true companion today, this morning. And as we wrap up, Paul ends with, he's going to talk about whatever is true and noble and just and pure, lovely, of good report, praiseworthy, all these things. Meditate on these things. When you think about the goodness of God and the reality of the gospel, uh, it causes a different mentality in you. My wife does this all the time. When I am upset, like I was with the door, (laughs) she'll go, Matt, what are three things you're thankful for? And it used to drive me insane. Matt, what are three things you're thankful for? Babe, I don't want to talk about three things I'm thankful for. Let me give you the 15 things I'm not thankful for right now. Right? that any of you? Guilty? That's me. That's me. Yes, thank you. Honesty. (laughs) vulnerability. It's good. You know what happens when I actually get to a place where I give her three things I'm thankful for? Changes my attitude. I think that's why Paul writes here, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, praise where all these things, meditate on these things, dwell on these things. It all comes from a good father. It all comes from the father of heavenly lights, right? Every good gift comes from above. And you and I are reminded of that through this passage. And we can be reminded of that, that we can operate in that mentality. I don't care if you're a pessimist like me, even though I say I'm a realist and it doesn't usually prove out. (laughs) You and I can have that mentality this morning because Scripture says so. And it's through prayer. It's through supplication, right? It's through rejoicing. And then he hits us really hard. The things which you learned, verse 9, and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. 
So the goal is to be able to meditate and think on the good things of Christ. It also should be representative in our lives. It should be. That's part of the goal here. That's part of our sanctification. We're going to fail. We're going to mess up. But where are you taking that failure to? Are you taking it to you? Are you taking it to your identity and your insecurity? Are you taking it to the cross and letting him have it once again? We've got to. There's no other way to operate in this life as believers. We've got to represent the gospel. Well, we also need this peace that he's talking about, don't we? Can't just keep running ragged. Can't just get burnt out. Doesn't work. Does our life then represent something that someone would look at, right? As Paul calls for, as we, as we wrap up. And does he say, he says, all these things you saw and everything I did, follow that example. Can we look at our lives and, and look at someone and say, hey, come with me, follow my example. Ultimately, Christ is that goal. It is. It's not about us. And yet there's something unique here that we are supposed to represent this Jesus that we cling to so tightly, right? So again, I ask you this morning, when you look at your life today, are we Euodian Syntyche or are we the true companion that Christ has called us to be? So to the believer... I want to say this to you. Maybe it doesn't look like the true companion. Maybe it hasn't for quite some time. Maybe it used to, and maybe it stopped along the way. His mercies are new every morning. If we are faithful to confess, he is faithful to forgive. You and I can start on a clean slate this morning. I need to. I know you probably do too. Start there. Tell him. Are you bitter? Are you wrestling? Are you in disagreement? Maybe you need to go to him. Maybe you need to pray with him. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Um, I don't know. I haven't been here in like five years. I have no idea what's going on in the life of this church. I know what I watched a moment ago, and I'm encouraged by it. So then, believer, keep pressing on. Be the ambassador. Be the representation of the love and grace and truth of Jesus. Because you can be and you should be. And we can unify ourselves in that. To the unbeliever, to the skeptic, to the wayward, to the lost, to the struggling. You may be here. You may watch this. Um, even though I, this probably isn't even live stream. It's 11 o'clock, isn't it? That's okay. doesn't matter. You're here now. Maybe you're here now. You agree with everything I've said. Everything. You're like, yes, Pastor Matt, yes. We, the church should be unified. And you got a bone to pick with the church. Because you feel like you got burned by the church. You've been hurt by the church. You don't feel accepted. You feel insecure. You, you just are like, you're pointing every single thing out and giving every reason why. I'm not, I'm not going to follow Jesus because the church hurt me. Let me, let me just encourage you. Even though church sometimes is hard, even though churches mess up and there is church hurt, that's a real thing that doesn't change who Jesus is. And I 
can faithfully say this morning that there really are people here that are representing the reality of who Jesus is. Okay? And the only good that you see from them truly is of Christ. I think of Scott Carter. I think of Caleb Mayfield. I think of other elders that are here and your deacons and your leaders, people that have served, people that are continuing to serve. I know there are people representing and shining the light of Jesus. Keep going. Keep going. The world needs it. We need it. And to the skeptic, you can call upon the name of the Lord. You can be saved. You can come back home if you're a prodigal running out because you're discouraged. You're hurt. Don't let that dictate where your heart is. Jesus is real. His salvation is real. The power behind it is real. And you today can come to him confessing and believing that he is Lord and you can be sealed for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. You can be transformed in the renewal of your mind. And believer, isn't that, isn't that what I just said for the unbeliever still for us today? It is. So I want to pray. I want to close with that. Um, and as we sing, if you need to pray, I, I'm going to be up front. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to help meet whatever need through prayer that I can um, and be a help to you. But I know that there are faithful men and women here that will do the exact same thing. So may we be encouraged. May we press forward. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are not worthy to be called your sons and daughters, but I am so grateful Father, that you work all things for our good, for those who are called, for those who love you. Father, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Help us to be encouraged by who you are. And Father, if there's anyone here that does not know you, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would reveal their need for you and meet them exactly where they are, that they would see you, Jesus, and they would look to you and confess that you are the Christ. You are Lord and Savior and surrender their life to you and be transformed by the goodness of the death and resurrection. We love you, Father. We thank you especially for loving us. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.